0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Big Difference Football Podcast. My name is Nick. I am joined today, and as always, by my co-host, Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm
1: doing great, Nick. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to get this thing rolling.
0: Glad to hear it. All right, so now that we got started, we wanted to just uh, first tell you a little bit about ourselves. You know, get to know us a little before we uh, get deep into the uh, NFL weeds. So, Sean, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so like Nick said, my name is Sean. I'm 22 years old, and football has always been a huge part of my life for as long as I can remember. I, I played from when I was a kid up until I, I finished high school. I played wide receiver, played defensive back, played a little bit of quarterback. I'm also a very passionate New York Giants fan, so I'm very pleased with the progress they've made this year, and I am excited for the years to come. Uh, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about
0: yourself? Of course. like Like already stated, my name is Nick, 21 years old, Currently, a college student. I'm also from Long Island, just like Sean. I played football my whole life, you know, from age eight all the way up until I was a senior in high school. Played the offensive line, played the defensive line. So, you know, my specialty is really in the trenches. And you know, ever since I really, you know, fell in love with the game of football playing, I fell in love with watching the game too. And that comes with you know understanding the game and having a passion for it. That's kind of why we want to start this podcast. You know, I'm a New York Jets fan, always have been the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs. I've been there watching, sometimes like a dumbass. But, you know, this year's been looking really solid. And uh, I'm excited to see where the journey goes. And, uh, you know, now that you know a little bit about us, our football history, you know, let's talk to you about, you know, what you can expect to hear on the Big Difference Football Podcast. So, week to week during the season, you could expect to hear recaps of the game, our thoughts and opinions, a little look forward, you know, where we talk about some of the upcoming exciting matchups, You know, in-game matchups, you know, corner receiver, offensive line, defensive line, how it'll all impact the game. You know, you'll get to hear that here. In addition, when the offseason is here, we're going to be doing some in-depth breakdowns on teams. What does that mean? We're going to be talking about free agents they could be looking at. We could be talking about their draft, everything. And when it comes to the draft, we're going to be diving deep into that, too. You know, we're going to be doing top fives at each position. We're going to be doing mock drafts. We're going to be doing player evaluations. So that's all some of the stuff you could expect here. And when it comes to the episodes, we're looking at uh, about one to two episodes a week, you know, dropping sometime in the week. You know, it might not be a set schedule, but, you know, as time goes on, maybe we'll really start to refine that. So looking at this past week, you know, we had a great slate of games, right, Sean?
1: We had a great slate of games. It was a good week. Uh, a lot of fun games going on. My, my Giants took a, a tie, unfortunately, with the Washington Commanders. I know your Jets, they had a really tough game. Came down to the wire.
0: Heartbreaker. Braxton is dropping that. Could have won us the game. Let's talk about the first, and I would say the best game from this past week. Well, we all know which one that is. <laughs> of course. Chiefs versus Bengals in Cincinnati. Chiefs ended up losing, unfortunately. Not what I would have predicted, but uh, Sean, why don't you give us a couple uh, thoughts of of what you thought about that game? Yeah. So
1: Chiefs-Bengals, this is actually the third time that they've played this calendar year. I know that they played last January at the end of the regular season. They played in the AFC Championship where we all know the the Bengals made that historic comeback. And then uh, they, they played again this past Sunday. And it just seems that the Bengals, they just sort of have the Chiefs number. So to say, we all look at the Chiefs as the kind of dynasty that's growing in the nfl obviously they have the best quarterback they have a lot of other key pieces hall of fame head coach and um the Bengals just seem to just continue to win
0: that matchup more times than you'd expect yeah they just play them really well and what i thought was really interesting about this game is you know the Bengals being down mixing you'd expect maybe a a little loss in production when it comes to the run game, but that Definitely. just wasn't the case at all, you know? Wasn't the Samai case Piran goes for over 100 on, you know, about 21 carries, and that could be a problem that, you know, remains as the season goes on and into the playoffs for the Kansas City Chiefs. Could that be something that really comes back to haunt them?
1: I agree, Nick. I mean, stopping the run game is the first thing you got to be able to do as a defense. If you can't stop the run game, you're not going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. You know it better than I. If you can't control the line of scrimmage, you're not going to be able to win the game. So, That's the first the Chiefs of really need to be able to really need to be able to hone in, stop the run, force him to third down, that kind of thing. Chris Jones, we all know he's a great player. He might have to get in the locker room and really rally the guys uh, around him because the performance on Sunday is just simply not going to get it done to get to where the Chiefs want to go.
0: A hundred percent. Now, Watching this game, it felt as if the Bengals were in the driver's seat the whole time, you know, as they were. But the crazy part is the Bengals only won by three. That's the craziness of Mahomes. You know, as the years go on, we see Mahomes get better and better. And obviously, as that cap number rises and rises, the talent around him is going to, you know, dip down. And as a result, it's going to rely on. It's going to be on the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes to take them everywhere and I mean to only lose by three it's like you know you want to see them win this game but like I said just year over year they're just losing great players and having a you know it's like losing Tyran and then bringing in Justin Reed and then like losing Tyree Kill and then bringing bring in, like, in Juju yeah bringing in yep. Juju bringing in uh, MVS I mean it's just it's yep. a drop off and that's just what's you know going to hurt them going into the future you yeah, have any other difference... thoughts going into this game? Or, uh, sorry I do interrupt. yeah
1: no, you're right. The difference in this game just so happened to be, you know, in the fourth quarter with the Travis Kelsey fumble. I mean, how many times do you see Travis Kelsey fumble? I think he has three or four fumbles over the last five years. Yeah. Of course, nobody wants to put it on the ground. Travis Kelsey, future Hall of Fame player, phenomenal player, seems to be open to every other play, it feels like. And uh, he just let one go there and he knows it. That's it's, uh, it's really not hurting anybody more than it's hurting him. And, um, of course, we'll expect them to get better to grow from that. But just a real tough loss for the Chiefs.
0: Chiefs, arguably the best team in the NFL. Bengals just continue to be on the rise. They really are. They're making that AFC North competition tough. And, I mean, if we just want to do a quick little look ahead, I mean, next week we got Bengals-Browns. You know, if Bengals take that game and then – you know, Ravens drop a game without Lamar versus the Steelers, who knows that that uh, seeding could change. And, you know, Ravens could drop down to the to the wild card. Bengals move up to the, being their division winner as of now. But, you know, the Bengals would love to
1: host a playoff game this year after that historic playoff run they had last
0: year. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind that well, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, those boys, they want to host a playoff game there in Cincinnati. Great stuff coming out of there in Cincinnati. Let's talk about another great game from this week. We had the Dolphins versus the 49ers, where the 49ers lose Jimmy G, but still end up on top. What did what, you think of that? Yeah, you know what? It was a
1: really interesting game, obviously. Jimmy Grandpa going down to the first quarter after how well he's playing this year. That's kind of a, a kick in the shin, but we all yeah. know that that Kyle Shanahan-led offense is not going to have any hiccups, no matter who's playing quarterback. And Brock Purdy, obviously... Mr. Irrelevant in this this last draft, rookie quarterback. He came in and he he just he was composed. He did what he needed to do. He was prepared, it looked like. It looked like he knew what he was doing, knew who to throw the ball to, when to get it out. He just looked like he was in control. And um because of that, they really didn't have any hiccups on offense. They have obviously got a great cast of guys around him, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, of course Debo Samuel. And looking forward to the coming weeks, Brock Purdy is going to have to step up and he's going to have to be the guy because uh, Jimmy G, he's not coming back for at least at least seven or eight weeks, uh, which is interesting, Nick. He might be able to come back for around the NFC Championship if they are to make it that far.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if Brock Purdy could lead him that far, you know, it, it would almost, you know, raise the question of should Jimmy G even start? But that's, you know, one of those down the road will figured out when we get there, if we get there, looking ahead to the 49ers, you know, next couple of games. I mean, it, it gets a, there's a couple easy ones, but also at the same time, not really. I mean, you're playing Tom Brady next week. Uh That's Stat is week. that Tom Brady is six and zero in rookie quarterbacks making their first start. <laughs> and I don't know how that fares for Brock Purdy. I mean, you know, you love to see what Kyle Shanahan does with any player, whether it's a quarterback, running back receiver, he plugs them in and they take off and they go, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, it could be Christian McCaffrey or it could be Jeff Wilson, who you didn't hear of, you know, before he started going off. Doesn't really matter. But that's just what's so great about this 49ers team. And another thing that I think is great about this 49ers team is the defense. I mean, holding to a, you know, to not put up crazy. There's an MVP yards. candidate this year. Exactly. The leading receiver on his team. And the fact that they got him to, you know, turn it over twice by throwing two picks you know, he still even threw for about 300 and they couldn't get it done by only putting up 17. I mean, that defense is special, and especially with uh, their D.C. D'Amico Ryans. I mean, yeah, D'Amico Ryans, he's done a great job with
1: that defense. Obviously, we know Robert Sala took that defense to the Super Bowl, you know, a couple years ago when they played Pat Mahomes. They just haven't really skipped a beat, to be quite honest. I mean, that defensive front is still dominating. Nick Bosa, he's still the guy. Fred Warner still leading the team. And uh, and the defense is really continuing to control football games, which is what you love to see.
0: As a 49er especially, fan. you know, yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, with Jimmy G going down, you're gonna have to rely on that defense to keep the low scoring, and you know, hopefully, put up 17 to 20 points a game and win Absolutely. a handful of these uh, upcoming games. So that was another great game, but let's talk about you know we were on a high. Let's go down to a little bit of a low. Let's talk about it, Nick. Let's do it. As we talk about the Jets losing to the Vikings in Minnesota on a heartbreaker. Game ends by a fourth and goal. Mike White throw to Braxton Barrios in his hands, in and out of his hands, and just drops it. You know, Braxton Barrios as a Jets fan, I find him to be, to be very reliable. I don't think I've seen him drop a pass, if I'm being quite honest. But in that moment, that's one of those you got to have it, and he didn't have it. And like I said earlier, no yeah, one's probably beating himself more than him. I mean, he's probably frustrated as all hell.
1: Absolutely. I mean. Garrett Wilson absolutely dominated the game over 140 yards through the air. Mike White seemed to be in control of the game. Jets' defense, they did their job. They got stops when they need to. They kept it within one score. You know, how much more can you ask for, in my opinion? And, you know, on the final play, not the final play, but the play where you got to have it most, it's just in and out of Barrios' hands, really nothing you could do about that there. But credit to the Jets. They played a good game. Vikings are obviously one of the best teams in the NFL. Jets were there with him till the very end. That's
0: so what you like to see as a Jet fan, the constant you know, progression and a uh, good little tib- tidbit about Garrett Wilson. Uh, he could have went over 200 yards this game. There was a play uh, in the fourth quarter with, I want to say, about uh, three to four minutes left. He cooks uh, Patrick Peterson on a double move. Mike White misses him by like six inches, and he would have taken that. I remember on, this play. Got an extra 80 yards probably on that play. Could have finished somewhere in the ballpark of like 240 yards in a game, which is absolutely absolutely wild.
1: insane for the rookie receiver who's really been making a name for himself. Obviously top 10 draft pick in this past year's draft from Ohio state. Garrett Wilson has been on an absolute tear this year. Jets fans love to see it. Uh, something that Jets fans don't necessarily love to see is uh, Zach Wilson. And I think that we want to touch on Zach Wilson here on the big difference pod. Obviously. Our host, Nick, big Jets fan. We love to talk about Jets, Giants. We love to talk about quarterback play, Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones. Nick, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson?
0: The Zach Wilson scenario, case study, whatever you want to call it, is very interesting. I mean, here's a kid that has all the long talent in the world. He has what you're looking for. He has that upside but if you can't match that crazy throw that everyone remembers on his pro day where he rolls to the left flicks it and it goes 60 yards jumps off his hand if you can't match that with the you know the 2 yard bubble screen and the throw it into the flat and get it in the like Absolutely. receiver's hands and let him take off you're just, realistically you're not going to play in this league and that hurts to say as a jets fan but that's just the truth that's I just think what the you've seen things. in the jets offense without Zach Wilson, is they rely more on throwing the ball than running the ball, which they have when, you know, Zach Wilson plays, and we've seen crazy numbers. I mean, those first three weeks where Zach Wilson didn't play, Joe Flacco's top three in passing yards. Yep. I mean, that's crazy. And Mike White has put up over 350 passing yards in these past two games. I mean, it's just you see what it could be, and then you see what it is with Zach Wilson. Yeah, it, absolutely. It sucks. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk from Robert Sala about we want him to keep doing the right things in practice and we want to get him back on the field. But the truth is, regardless of what he shows you, what we know is that he didn't get it done on the field. And we have seen Mike White, you know, get it done. I mean, we're one play away from winning this game. Yes, they lose, but it's a hard-fought game against one of the best teams in the NFL. The locker room is behind Mike White. And if you do the swap... You might lose the locker room, and you might jeopardize your playoff chances. Jets are currently sitting at the seventh seed battling it out to try to make the playoffs for the first time in they are, 12 years. They
1: are battling it out. They would love to make the playoffs. Obviously, you hand the keys over to Mike White. You know, Mike White just has that kind of aura, that kind of confidence. He has the intangibles he's of like someone that, White. You can, that you can just get behind, and he's he's going to lead you, and you would run through a brick wall for him. And And Zach Wilson, he does lack... Those intangibles, you know, the Jets, they run that sort of West Coast, you know, LaFleur, Shanahan Shanahan kind of offense. It's a lot of, you know, in terms of the passing game, quick throws, get the ball, get out of my hands, quick rhythm, quick reads. And, you know, that is the absolute epitome of what a professional quarterback is. You know, if you if you can get in there and you could diagnose the defense and you can make the right decision more times than not, you're going to be a franchise quarterback. You're going to be someone that's capable of winning games. And Zach Wilson just seems to be lacking the understanding of taking what the defense gives him. He never really makes an easy throw look easy. He makes the easy throws look harder than they need to be. I think he really makes it harder on himself, which is a shame considering, like you said, you see see that throw at his pro day where he rolls to his left and he just absolutely flicks one, you know, a million yards down the field. And, you know, that, that, that play tricked all of us or that, that, that throw, I should say. And, uh, I think they should stick with Mike White. Of course, everyone's gonna say that right now. It's gonna be real interesting to see what happens with Zach Wilson. Uh, what do you what do you think Zach Wilson's career
0: is gonna is going look like, Nick, going forward? I think it's all dependent on how this season finishes for the Jets. I mean, I agree. if if we keep winning games because of Mike White, I think Mike White has a solid chance to maybe, you know, resign resign on some sort of Not game changing money, but like a two year deal, yeah, two year deal, middle of the road starter money, fifteen mil, something like that. I mean, that's crazy to think that he would even earn something like that. But I think that (laughs) is it crazy if he takes you That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, some somebody told you that two years ago, Mike White getting fifteen mil. You'd be like, yeah, get the hell out of here. You'd look at him like they were
1: crazy. But here we are in twenty twenty two, and Mike White is the story of New York right now. I mean, like you said, back-to-back 350-yard games. He just brings that energy. He just brings that. He does. That, he brings something different out of the locker room. He does. And the Jets needed that on offense. We obviously know what the defense is capable of. Obviously, have improved tremendously on defense with the additions of guys like Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. They went out in the draft. They got pass rushers. They've just done a great job.
0: And, yeah, uh, it's Joe really Douglas shallow. really put this roster together. I just think the quarterback is obviously, you know, where the buck stops, and that'll be important to get that right. So, you know, we'll just have to see what the Jets do moving forward. Uh, You know, we want to talk about one more game from last week. We're going to move on to Sean's team. I'm going to just tee this up for you. Giants-Commanders tie 2020 in MetLife. Sean, give us your thoughts on this game.
1: It was just an absolute heartbreaker, just like the Jets game. I mean, here we are. We had a a 58-yard field goal to end the game ended up coming a few yards short. I actually read uh, right after the game was over that Graham Gano, the Giants kicker, knew that he would only be able to hit from about 53 uh, in the direction that he was kicking with the wind. And the commanders, they actually knew that. And when they lost the coin toss, the Giants got the ball first. The commanders chose the appropriate way for the Giants to go knowing that if it came down to a field goal, they would have to win against us. So Graham Gano's field goal came up five yards short. We we, we we played a an interesting game. We really were struggling in the first half. We were down 10 to nothing pretty quick. But just like the Giants have done all season, they come back, they put themselves in this hole, and then they dig themselves out of it. They even it up. And at the end of the day, we just didn't make enough plays to, to earn that win. And so we get a tie. You know, I feel like most players treat a tie like a loss because at the end of the day, you didn't win. But um, we got the Commanders again in two weeks. So hopefully we'll be able to settle who deserved to win on uh, on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a really interesting game. You know, coming into it, I did think that these teams were just a about as level. even as you could be between two teams. And, I mean, a tie is pretty fitting for that. Um, right. You know, Commanders did a good job at stopping the run. I mean, holding Saquon under—you know—he got sixty-three yards. I mean, it's yeah, not—I believe Daniel Jones Giants. had more rushing yards.
1: Like, what are we doing?
0: That's not Daniel the winning Jones formula for the Giants. The Giants yards. have been a run-first team. You know, try to play, play right action run yep. and make you know make plays off that, which they've been able to do. But I think the Commanders did a really good job on defense. You know, honing in forcing the Giants to do what they're uncomfortable with, which is asking which Daniel is Jones to make big boy throws. I mean, I think a lot of the offense is similar to what the uh, to what the Bills, excuse me, did with Josh Allen when Dable was there, where it was a lot of let's make this life as easy as possible, a lot of one-read stuff. And if you take away that one read and you force a quarterback like that to do something else, you know, that's the result you're going to get unless, you know, quarterback overcomes that and we've seen Daniel Jones do that in the past just not today in this game you know only throwing for 200 yards
1: yeah 200 yards has been pretty common theme for Daniel Jones obviously he's really throwing to you know you and I Nick you know we got the equivalent of you and I playing receiver for the New York Giants right now I think we could have done a little bit better you know what I think you're right I think you and I could have done a little bit better that's how poor the the receiving core is right now um Isaiah Hodgins who the Bills uh actually drafted while Brian Dable was still there? They brought him over to the Giants this year. He caught his first touchdown on Sunday, so we'd love to see that. But other than that, the Giants' receiving core has just been so inconsistent. I mean, our best player, Darius Slayton, he had one big catch for fifty-five yards on Sunday early in the first half. Uh, but other than that, you know, we just we just have no consistency, no reliable targets uh, for Daniel Jones to get the ball to. So that two hundred yards. Think maybe he had one touchdown. That's very common for Daniel Jones.
0: Yeah, receiver will definitely be uh an area the Giants look to address, whether it's in free agency or through the draft. More talent needs to come and it needs Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. couldn't agree more. Let's let you put on the GM hat for a second. You know, you asked me about Zach Wilson, I'll ask you the question about Daniel Jones. I mean, they declined the fifth year option. He's a free agent after this season. What should the Giants do with Daniel Jones?
1: It's a great question. It's one that I've been pondering for what seems like forever now. <laughs> you know, ever since after his I'd say second year. You know, we're saying to ourselves, you know, is this guy the guy? Is he not? Is he good? Can he get it done? And uh, I think that I think that he's making it tough on the Giants and he's making it tough on Giants fans. From the Giants fans that I've spoke to, they've all praised Jones and his performance. And I think I lie somewhere in the middle. I don't think that he's Played nearly as bad as he has in the past couple of years. We have to keep in mind that the Giants also have had, you know, a bad offensive line. You know, there's no way, there's no other way to put it. Oh yeah, a bad receiving core, bad head coaches, bad play calling. So you know, like the Giants owner John Mara said in August, you know, we have set this kid up for failure, time and time again. And I think that he's done a good job with what they're asking him to do. I have seen progression. I like the way that he. Is a little bit more in control of the offense. You see him make way more checks at the line of scrimmage than he used to in the past. He's also got an improved offensive line. You know, Andrew Thomas, our left tackle, has been playing absolutely phenomenal. We've got a couple other pickups along the offensive line, our rookie Evan Neal. who's the seventh overall pick in this last year's draft. So he's he's been playing all right. I don't know if it's going to be enough for the Giants to re-sign him. I, of course, would love to see him get some wide receivers. Because you know, if you're throwing for two hundred yards every game, you know I'd love to see him play with 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 a true receiving core with a true cast of weapons. So, would I be surprised if the Giants bring him back? No, I would not be surprised at all. I would be interested in bringing him back on a deal around thirty to thirty three million a year. I think that's a very fair price point. You know, some of these quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Well, Lamar Jackson's going to get paid in a couple months is in the ballpark of $50 million. And and we know that the, the CBA is going up and the the salary cap is going up, excuse me. And um, I think that $30 million is a very fair number for Jones. So we'll see. We'll see if they resign him. Would I be mad if we bring somebody else in? No, I don't. I don't think so. But um, I'm interested to see what they do.
0: Well, on the big difference football podcast, this will be the first of many times where we have a disagreement because I think it is preposterous to offer Daniel Jones a contract worth 30 million dollars a year. Now you want to give him 3 years 30 million and give him 10 a year. That's a contract. I think that's a lot more reasonable. 10 a year. Obviously you're not getting him for that. I understand that. If I'm the Giants, I'd try to sign Daniel Jones on some one year deal, maybe even use the franchise tag while you really wait because you know, this regime isn't tied to Daniel Jones. I think they came in and they got these jobs because obviously they were very qualified, but I think part of it was that they said to ownership who, you know, wanted to give Daniel Jones a fair shake at it, which I think is a fair point. But I just think that Daniel Jones hasn't been able to overcome a lot of the mistakes that he's been plagued with his whole career. I mean, he's dialed back on the fumbles. That used to be his biggest problem. But like you said, I mean, is Daniel Jones the guy? I don't think so. I mean, just you watch him play. He makes some throws, but then he just he's like the Sam Darnold effect, where it's like the good that you got the good goods and you got the bad bads. Like it's just I don't I think the Daniel Jones on the Giants is I think it's coming to an end. Maybe one more year in my opinion. Maybe they'll look to draft somebody or uh... it might be coming to an end. Like I said, I'd love to see him play with with some wide
1: receivers. It's, you know, it's it's pretty hard to, to that's true. Throw for over you know two hundred yards when you're throwing to a bunch of practice squad players which is what most of the giants are right now. I mean the giants have completely exceeded expectations for 7 and 4 right now. 7 4 and 1, excuse me, after our tie with the commanders. And um you know maybe we see Daniel Jones back next year maybe we don't. There's a lot of interesting moves to be made in the offseason. I mean who knows where the Jackson's going to be? You yeah. know who knows if, if Aaron Rodgers wants out. Who knows if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be and where Tom Brady. Tom Brady, out. I mean there there is there's a bunch of names and a bunch of questions that we don't have answers to. Would I be open to bringing any of those guys in? Absolutely.
0: I think those are all good options. Let's look ahead and let's stick with the giants week 14 giants versus Eagles, a big game. You know, Eagles, obviously been killing it this season. They are the number one seed in the NFC coming in at 11 and one playing the giants, of course, coming in at seven, four and one, This is a matchup where I think we're going to be able to learn a lot about both of these teams. I mean, how real are the Giants? I mean, the Eagles are, some would say, the best in the NFL. And if the Giants were able to get a big win, you know, versus the Eagles, that could really shake up some of the standings in the NFC. How how do you see it, John?
1: You know, I know it's going to be a dogfight. I know it's going to be a huge game with some huge playoff implications on it. I do think it's a little frustrating as a Giants fan that we're playing our first matchup against Philadelphia in week 14. Um, but I I can't complain about that. I don't make the schedules. Yeah, I think it's obviously a huge. The yeah. There. yeah, very interesting schedule. Um, they obviously have Jalen Hurts, uh, who looks like an MVP candidate. They have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. I mean, they are just absolutely loaded on offense. Uh, last week against Tennessee, a team that the Giants beat, if you remember, uh, on a two point conversion play, 22-21 in week one. So. We, we hung up with the Titans and the Titans just got absolutely creamed by the Eagles at home. So I do think it's going to be a tough game for the Giants. We do know that the, what's it called Is that the, the divisional games are always relatively close. I think that's very fair to say, considering what just happened with the commanders. I do think the Giants are going to lose. If I had to bet money on it, I would bet that, but um. Like you said, I'd love to, I'd love to see if, if the Giants can compete. You know, like you said, we're going to find out just how real the Giants are Uh, on Sunday.
0: I think an interesting matchup to watch in this game is how the Giants' secondary really matches up against that Eagles receiving core. I mean, you know, you obviously got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, the tight end, Dallas Goddard, all really killing it this season. It'll be interesting to see how Wink Martindale and that defense, you know, you know they're going to come at Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts going to be able to, you know, roll out, you know, get it to his playmakers, or, you know, is he gonna crumble? I mean, if I'm betting, I'm betting that he's gonna be able to still get it to Devontae and AJ Brown.
1: I couldn't agree more. Uh as a Giants fan, I know that our injuries are certainly plaguing our secondary right now. Uh our our starting free safety Xavier McKinney who is having a monster year. He hurt himself uh during our bye week. Yeah, that's On, that's a, on true. a vacation trip. So uh He's our defensive play caller. Before his injury, he hadn't missed a snap since week three of last year, which is an insane stat. So we miss him dearly. We miss him communicating to our defense. We're also missing our starting corner, Dory Jackson. He's going to be out at least a few more weeks. So uh, those are those are a few guys that we really rely on and that are not going to be there in our secondary for Jalen Hurts to try and just pick on, to be quite
0: honest. Exactly. Let's move it on to another game that I think is uh, maybe a little biasly a big game of this week, you know, Jets versus Bills. You know, today, early this morning, we just received the news that Von Miller is going to be out for the season. Originally thought that, you know, place him on IR, he'll come back. But no, unfortunately, he's going to need season-ending ACL surgery. So I think that definitely helps the Jets, but I don't know if it's going to change the outcome. Jets obviously won in their first matchup at MetLife. Uh, That game came down to the wire. And I think the Bills are going to be hungry this game, if I'm speaking honestly. Like, they're coming out. They know they got to start picking their shit up before, you know, the end of the season. And it's really important for them to keep winning these games so, you know, they can keep moving up. And especially when the AFC East, with how close of a race it is between them and the Dolphins.
1: The big game coming up here in the AFC East, obviously Bills juggernaut out of the NFL. We obviously think that they're going to make a deep playoff run. And then they're taking on the Jets, who have, Really surprised a lot of people in the NFL this year. Obviously, we talked about Mike White. He's playing well. He was not the quarterback uh, just a few weeks ago when the Bills went to MetLife Stadium to take on the Jets. We know it was Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, I think he had less than 20 passing attempts that
0: game. So the Jets offense, looking looking to build on that performance. 100%. I mean, this game is going to be... Very similar to like I said about the Giants game. It's going to tell me how real the Jets are. I mean, if we're able to go into Buffalo, keep this close game, I mean, really, uh, we need to win this game coming from a Jets fan perspective because, you know, we got the Chargers right on our tail. The Patriots are still lurking. I mean, it's just, it's scary season. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it felt like we would finish fifth seed, not seventh or lower. Let's hope yep. not. But just as the season progresses, I mean, obviously it's going to be closer and closer. The Jets really—if the Jets want to make the playoffs, we're going to have to step up. We're going to have to win a couple games that people might not, you know, expect us to. You know, it was a close game last week. Maybe come out and win this game, and, and that Seattle game in a couple of weeks is going to be a dogfight too.
1: Seattle, a tough team. I know the Giants took them on a couple of weeks ago. We lost. Uh, we did lose that game on a, a couple of muffed fumbles by Richie James, but a, a team that I think that the Jets could certainly compete with. Staying on topic, Jets Bills. Definitely going to be a close game. Obviously, we know that the last game was was pretty close. It came down to that last play where Josh Allen ended up rolling down to his left and used that absolute cannon of a right arm he has and launched one down the left sideline. The game Davis just a little bit short. Sauce Gardner with the play there to finish the game. Let's talk a little bit about Sauce Gardner. I mean, Sauce Gardner is the absolute favorite to win defensive rookie of the year right now Was the fourth overall pick coming out of Cincinnati. As a Giants fan, I would have loved to have him. Like I said earlier, you know the Giants are ridiculed with injuries in our secondary right now, and, and Sauce is playing like a top
0: three corner, if we're being honest. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sauce, Nick? Sauce is, without a doubt, in my mind, the defensive rookie of the year. You know, People on Twitter are going to try to tell you Tariq Wallen has six picks. I don't care about picks. If I know about lockdown corners, I know one thing. I watched Revis growing up as a kid. They didn't throw at Revis because he was too good. And I'm not saying Sauce is already there. But you could see, at first, they were coming for Sauce. And that's why he, like, through I think about 10 weeks, he had the most pass deflections. I think he might have dipped down by now. But they're just not throwing at him as much as they used to. And a lot of people want to say, he's holding, he's doing this, he's doing that. Guys, there's refs out there. If he was holding as much as everyone claims he is... He would get penalized a lot more. He has, I think, two uh, DPIs this year, which is quite low for a corner. I mean, it's not perfect, but, again, he's a rookie. And, I mean, he's already playing like a top-five corner in the NFL. And, I mean, his ceiling is just to be the best cornerback in the league with that frame he's got, with how twitchy he is. Like, you don't see somebody that's four move the way he does.
1: Absolutely not. He's obviously got that
0: length. He's got the size, athleticism, speed,
1: IQ. Most of all, I think he's just determined. I think he he wants to be great. He wants to go out every Sunday and absolutely dominate. He just doesn't want to win. He wants to dominate. And uh, it, it's it's exciting to to know that as a Jets fan, you have that kind of player, that kind of impact on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, moving on to our final game, uh, Chargers-Dolphins this upcoming week. Going to be an interesting game. Huge playoff implications of the AFC. Uh, what do you think about Chargers-Dolphins upcoming, Nick?
0: Well, I think one thing that we're going to have to look at, and is going to be the storylines of this game, and I'm sure we're going to hear, you know, Mike Tirico talk a lot about this on Sunday Night Football, is about how in the 2020 draft, Tua was picked fifth and Herbert was picked sixth. Now, you know, maybe a year ago you could have said that was the wrong pick. Now this year you say it's the right pick. I think it's like a pick your flavor. It's like ice cream. Some guys like chocolate. Some guys like vanilla. Both are great quarterbacks. But I think what the Dolphins are doing with Tua this year is Mike McDaniel's really unlocked that. You know, extra gear into it. I think the way he's supporting him is definitely helping us play. You know, from a mental aspect. But you know, obviously with the addition of Tyreek Hill, it's it's changing the game offensively for the Dolphins. And you know, when you look at the the Chargers, I mean, they're kind of underperforming coming into this game. Yes, they're Absolutely. right on the bubble of making the playoffs, but they're six and six. They made a lot of moves this off season. trade for Khalil Mack, sign J.C. Uh, Jackson. You know. And J.C. Jackson's hurt. Leo Mack, we haven't heard too much from. Joey Bosa's kind hurt. Of, yeah, they, they're, they're being plagued with injuries. It's it's unfortunate. I was a I was a uh, Chargers believer coming into this season, but they're, you know, like the Chargers, they are just underperforming as usual, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I was
1: also a big uh, believer in the Chargers coming into this year, mainly because of their head coach, Brandon Staley, who I have been very high on. Um, but I think that what he's shown us so far this season is that is the complete opposite. Um, Brandon Staley obviously came over from the Rams was, uh, the defensive coordinator under Sean McVeigh just a few years ago. Uh, some even called him the air quotes, Sean McVeigh of defense, because we saw Sean McVeigh come in and revolutionize how the Rams were playing offense a couple of years ago, back when Jared Goff was still there. And, uh, Brandon Saley might be coaching for his job for the rest of the year. I mean, he we, we know that he likes to go for it on fourth down no matter where they are on the field. I mean, it doesn't matter if he's in his own territory on the 20-yard line. He might go for it if he's feeling it. Yeah, and, we've seen uh, him do that in the past. We've seen him do that so many times, and I think that it's starting to catch up uh, with the players. The players used to really like it because I know last year they had a high fourth down conversion rate, but this year it's not as high. I know that they gave one up. Uh, on their own territory on fourth down, and that seems to be a common theme uh, on this this last week's game. So I have heard a lot of people talking about the potential of Rand Staley being fired, bringing in a new head coach, and of course the name that everybody's going to throw around and the name that's been connected to the Chargers, uh, the Cardinals as well, is Sean Payton. Uh, I personally would love to see Sean Payton get the Chargers job and get an opportunity to coach a young quarterback who is as great as Justin Herbert.
0: I I could not agree more. I mean, you know, uh Sean Payton might not know what to do with all that arm strength, you know, after uh I agree. After, after Drew, Drew, Brees. Drew Brees those last couple of years that arm really declined, but I mean, it, it as of right now it's all speculation and these will be great topics to talk about in the off season. And honestly, I think the offseason is just as good as the regular season. It'll be great storylines to watch. So that's going to take us to the end of this podcast. That was the first episode. We hope you guys really enjoyed. Uh, Before we sign out, though, just wanted to give you a reminder. Please subscribe, rate five stars, and turn on downloads. But from us, that's it. Sean, you have anything else to add before we say bye?
1: just want to say thank you to whoever listened, and
0: uh, we're looking forward to putting out more pods. All righty, guys, you have a great day.